this morning, uh, I want to turn into Matthew chapter 7. That's where we'll be today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, judging. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know how that message, um, the idea of talking about being judgmental and judging hits you this morning. Um, this message is for older people, especially. Um, sometimes as you get older, uh, you look to the previous generations or, or to the, the lower generations and, and you see um, all that they're doing and you start pointing the finger and start picking. And you say, well, I never did that. <laughs> um, your memory might be going bad, but... Um, you may not remember what you did, but there's a sense in which um, there's a constant theme that says uh, the younger generation today and what they do. So there's also a primary uh, message this morning for those who are young. Many times when you're young, uh, you look to older people and you say, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, you don't understand the world. The world has changed, and you have not. Uh, there's technology. There's things that you don't understand about the world today, and you need to change yourself. Uh, you need to change, um, and there's things that you're doing wrong. You just don't know it. Um, it's interesting. Uh, this is a message today for the rich. Uh, many times the rich look to the poor <laughs> and they ask the question, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get a job? Why don't you take care of yourself? Why don't you be responsible? Why don't you work hard? Um, the rich look on the poor with disdain and say, why are you doing the things that you're doing? But there's also a message for the poor. The poor many times look to the rich and say, oh, those greedy people. Those people who grab at resources and, and live in luxury while others suffer, they don't care. They're selfish. Uh, as I look at this message this morning, it's a message for everybody. For everybody. And it's not a message. So uh, per, this morning you say, well, this is a message for our church. It is. But it's for you this morning. It's for you. It's easy to <coughs> say, well, my church is struggling with this. The, the people I know, my town, my country is struggling with this. But this morning, this is a message for you. As I thought about, uh, as I was preparing this message, I, I want to tell you, I thought about you, you individually. And as I struggle through this myself, I know that I'm the problem as well. Um, this morning, uh, it's easy to tune out a message on judging and thinking through what goes on in our culture as opposed to looking at our own heart. And so if you brought your Bibles, turn it to them, uh, chapter 7, and if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the first six verses. <coughs> Judge not that you will not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, 
it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. God, I ask your blessing on our time this morning. I ask that you would uh, tenderize our hearts to your message, that we might be changed. God, thank you for this morning and each one here. We praise you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Some of you, as you hear a message on judging, you say, I don't want to hear it. Uh, if you don't want to hear it this morning, that's fine. But if you could just sit there quietly and act like you're paying attention, it would be very helpful for me. This morning, uh, we first need to tackle the issue, what is judging? What, what is it? What is it? As you look at this passage, chapter 7 starts out with what? Do not judge or judge not. Uh, for us to understand that is critical. For As you read the scripture, you should look for commands like that, realizing that that's what God is telling us to do, how, how we should change. <laughs> this morning, as I read that, I realized that um, that could mean a lot of different things to not judge or to judge not. Uh, first of all, I, I want you to think what it is not. What it is not is the idea of critical thinking. Uh, sometimes we live in a world today that says, well, I don't want to be judgmental, so I'll never look at anything as right or wrong. I'll never consider whether someone uh, or myself are doing anything right or wrong. I'll just kind of lay it out there and go, oh, different ways for different people. That's not what this is talking about. It's not the idea that we should never think critically about anything. That we should, in fact, in our world today, <coughs> the idea of thinking about things as right or wrong have been pushed aside and it's don't even think about it, whether it's right or wrong. It's just different ways. That's not what God is talking about. As Christ was sharing this message to this group of people, he was not talking about that there isn't any right or wrong. What these words imply, the idea of judging is the idea of harsh verdicts, of negative verdicts of looking at one's life and pointing out and picking through the things that somebody else is doing. It's the idea of somebody else's life. It's not the idea of self-inspection. It's the idea of us looking to one another and going, I see what's wrong with your life. I'm pointing it out. I know you're doing this wrong. That's the picture of judgment or judging in this passage. And what's the point? Don't do it. Don't judge. It's it's not your role 
It's not your place. It's not what God wants for you. <coughs> this passage is not talking about, as one writer said it this way, he said, it's not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. Plea to be generous. It's not the idea that says, I don't see anything wrong with your life. I don't see anything wrong with what you're doing. But it's a plea to look on them with generosity, not with this picky inspection of all that's wrong with somebody else's life. We'll talk more about that and it'll develop as we go on. But the gist of uh, what he starts out with in verse 1 is he says it's the idea of being quick to call others into account instead of being quick to look at self and really connecting the two. And he, <laughs> he says this a couple of different ways. First of all, judge not that you would not be judged. And then for with the same judgment, verse 2, you pronounce you will be judged. And with the same measure, you, you will be measured to you. The idea of this is that if we're excited and motivated and think of it as our gift or calling to pick one another's life apart, we're inviting God to pick our life apart. We're saying that that same measure that we go at pick at one another's lives, that we are saying, please do that to my life. As I think about that, I think... I don't want God to do that to me. It, it's not that um, I know God can see my sins. I, I know he, he's not fooled by any hypocrisy or covering up that I do. But that he would bury me and critically point out and and uh, and constantly be negative towards my life. I do not want him to do. What do I want? I want his grace. I want his mercy. I want him covering that over instead of exposing it. <coughs> As we look at this this morning, you need to see in verse 2, he talks about the idea of measure. Uh, the idea of what the measurement or the standard by which you use on others, it will be used on you. And you say, well, I'm fine with that. Um, we look at certain sins and maybe someone's a drunkard and, and we say, oh, I, you know, you're 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 drunk. You're drunk all the time. You're you're doing what God God says that we're to be sober and you're you're always going to the bottle. And I I'm fine with that. You shouldn't do that because I don't drink. It's easy to say that, but the point is not the particular measurement. It's that. When you point to perfection as the standard, that same standard of perfection will be brought to you. That same measurement. Some of us are quick to say, oh, they're such a selfish person. Well, you may not be selfish in the same area that they are, but I'm pretty sure we can find some selfishness in each one of us here, right? He says that same measurement which you apply to others will be applied to you. This is the picture. And he says, remember, let's not get far from this this morning. What's the point? Judge not. Don't judge. 
there's a double problem going on here, and I think the he doesn't point out why it's such a big problem, but I think that it's the second. The first point is when you're someone who's always picking and pointing to others' faults, what kind of reputation do you get with your peers? You are a blast to be with, and nobody wants to be with you. In fact, as you pick at someone, guess what they want to do to you? Do they want to be gracious to you and say, oh, it's okay? No, but they want to turn it around and they want to look for areas in your life and find them, by the way, and find them. I don't think that's the big issue where he says this whole idea of that same judging that you do will be brought upon you. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's grander than that. Is that we, as we point out others' faults and be negative, picking apart one another's lives, as we do that, we invite that God would do that with us. That that's the big issue. It's a double problem. It's, it's a problem with man, but the greater problem is a problem with God. That we would rather than hand out grace, <coughs> that we would desire judgment. This is a problem. A problem that Jesus, and remember as we look at this passage, this is in the midst of Jesus unfolding what his kingdom's like. It's different. I think the backdrop of this is the religious leaders of the day. This is what they did. They, sit, they sat back and they go, oh, your life is a mess. You should be like me and you're, you, you need to stop doing that. And you need to start doing this. And I'll give you a list of things to do and to don't. And they were constantly pointing and judging. And Jesus says, I want to explain to you, in my kingdom, it's not your job. It's not your job to judge. It's not to look to one another and say, I'm going to pick your life apart. It's interesting how this always goes. I mentioned some things at the outset, but, uh, you know, even even politically, uh, we look to things. We, we sit in the midst of a church here that the idea of entitlements and that somebody should uh, get things for nothing for most of us, that's repulsive. Except if our kids are getting ready to go to college. And then we're like, I want to find free money. I want somebody else to pay for me. I look at this and I go, it's everywhere. <coughs> the idea that we would look to others and point, oh, your life is a mess. And yet we wouldn't apply that same standard to ourselves. Jesus says, do not judge. He gives an illustration starting in verse 3. And this whole passage, to be honest with you, this is one of those passages that everybody knows. And when I say everybody, I'm not talking about church going folk. I'm talking about people, this is in the news. Uh, people use terms like this all the time. Best not to judge. Don't judge. Don't judge me. You're just a hater. <laughs> right? We use those terms all the time. We don't see them as coming from Christ. And as we go into this illustration, most of us have heard this over and over again, even if we're not as familiar with the Scripture as we could be. Verse 3. 
It says this. Uh, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Heard that before? The idea here is most likely the idea of sawdust, a speck of sawdust, a small. Have you ever worked with wood and got a speck of sawdust in your eye? Um, most of the time, the people around you don't know it unless you go, oh, I got some I got some sawdust in my eye. And then they go, oh, yeah, yeah, let, let's help get it out. That, that That's the problem. Um, if you had a log in your eye, everyone could see. Everyone. You, you get this picture and it's it's a great cartoon picture, right? <laughs> Some have suggested over the years that it was just an issue of perspective, that they were both specks of sawdust, but because it was in your own eye, it looked bigger and it caused that. I, I don't think, I think you got to do some pretty good gymnastics to get there. I think Jesus was exaggerating something so that we would know. And he was saying the greater issue is the issue that is in your own eye, not the issue that's in your brother's eye or someone else's eye. It's interesting in this translation, it takes the idea that you don't even notice the log. You don't even notice it. That seems ridiculous. Why would we not notice it? It's real simple. Because we were dealing with microscopic issues in everybody else's life. We weren't considering that. We weren't considering our own life. We were looking towards others. We were going, oh, I hope I can find something wrong with somebody else. I hope I, I, I'm searching that I could find something wrong with you. What's wrong with me? Uh, let's forget about that for a moment. I just want to find what's wrong with you. That speck of sawdust. <coughs> what this is, It's a critical spirit. It's a critical spirit. It's someone who finds their role in life to point out what's wrong with everybody else. It's it's what they consider their job. It's what they're good at. It's the and and when I say that this morning, some of you are going, "Yeah, I know some people like that." Yeah, it's you. It's you. We're the problem here. We're the ones that that struggle with with being a consultant to everybody else's life. We're the ones that that go and point out and and think proudly of if they were only like me in this area, things would be a lot better. That's the critical spirit that's revealed in this illustration. Some of us hide behind this idea that we uh, have been given the gift of discernment by the Lord. Um, let me ask you a question. What is the gift of discernment from the Lord? Oh, it's, it's simple. That, like you, you see things clearly. And I have the gift of discernment. I can see clearly what's wrong in your life. Let me ask you a question. Does God even give gifts like that? 
that, that, that I would be able to see what's wrong in your life while not seeing the log in my own life? Why would, why, why would Jesus do that? That he would say, I'm going to make you a specialist in everybody else's business. He wouldn't do that. And as Jesus gives this illustration, he doesn't say, you know, there's some of you that will notice and, and be good at identifying things that are wrong in everybody else's life and be utterly blind to the things that are wrong in your own life. Jesus is pointing out the complete opposite. He's saying that th- this, this issue of judging, it's not for you. But that rather that you would see what's wrong in your own life. I want to ask you this question. We've sung of it this morning. Who needs Jesus? Who needs Jesus? Exactly. It's not everybody. I I want to say that first. The, The right answer is not everybody. The first thing that you should think of, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's the point of this passage, is that I need him. The one who is the one that judges all the time and finds himself good at it, is is finding for the negative, uh, looking for the negative in everyone else's life. Guess what? They think everybody needs Jesus. Boy, your life's a mess. You need Jesus. All the while, the log is coming out of their own eye sticking out for all to see uh, other than them. <coughs> Many years ago, probably about 13, I did the math today. Um, so if you haven't been affiliated with this, this church for over 13 years, you're safe. You're safe from this story. We were without a pastor. We brought in a, a guest speaker, a, a man who is a godly man who we were fortunate to have come and preach for us in the morning. And he um, was in between services. I was standing right over there with him, and I was thanking him for coming. I was encouraged by his message. And he kind of had a smirk on his face, and I said, what are you, what are you, what are you smiling about? And he says, well, uh, a man came up to me, and he, he said, you had a great sermon today. You only said, um, 10 times. You only said, um, 10 times. And, and I want to tell you, I flipped out as a youth pastor. I said, who said that? He said, oh, I don't really No, Tell me what they look like. I was going to go on a hunt. <laughs> and, and what I want to, what I want to point out to you is this, is response. Because this was a man who understood this passage. He says, Kevin, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He says, he said, I got all kinds of problems myself that are far worse than anything that guy's got going. Don't worry about it. He said, I've got all kinds of problems. And, and they're, they're much worse than any of the pointing out ums. You see, some people have the idea that it's their job to point things out. And others realize that their own life is such a mess. That they struggle and need Jesus in so many areas of their life. New ones are found each day. 
that they're unwilling uh, to say, I'm going to go hold that guy to account. The idea here is that we would not become an expert in everyone else's life, that we would become an expert in the sins that are of our lives before the Lord deal with him. As we move on, uh, he goes on to explain this a little bit more. In verse 4, he says, <coughs> Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? What I'd like to call this verse is arrogant delusion. Arrogant delusion. That you find yourself capable of dealing with the sin in everybody else's life. You say, you have a problem, it's that speck, and I'm going to do this microsurgery on your life while I have a log in my own eye. You know what the worst surgeon is? The blind one. Right? Can't see very well, but I'm ready to cut on you. I, you know, you got a very small problem. I think I can take care of that. All the while having poor vision for myself. I want to tell you that it's dangerous to have a surgeon that can't see. It's dangerous for you to presume it's arrogant and deluded to think that you can go and fix everyone else's life while you have a log in your own eye. So what do we do? <coughs> Verse 5. And he uses this word over and over again in this section that we've been looking at. You hypocrite. He says, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The idea of hypocrite is one who is wearing a mask, playing a part, doing a drama doing a play. They're not that real person, but they act as though they are. And once again, he says, quit acting. Quit acting. Quit trying to go through the motions like you can. Like you're capable of this. He says, quit acting and do what? First, take the log out of your own eye. <coughs> Before you do anything... Before you go disciple one another. Before you involve yourself in this great ministry. Before you go talk to people about their sin. Look to yourself. And before God deal with the sins that you have committed. The sins that dog your feet day in and day out. That's what you deal with first. And as you look at this passage, that's the first thing that you would do. And then he says this, and then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The reality uh, as this uh, verse is translated <coughs> is that you can't clearly see. You can't clearly see without that first being taken care of for yourself. 
You don't even know the reality. If you had a log in your eye, the idea that you would be able to perceive anything is utter foolishness. And so he says, first deal with what, what is going on in your own eye before you take care of the speck so that you might be able to see clearly what's going on in your brother's eye. Well, um, I want to point something out. This passage starts out with judge not, judge not. And in verse five, it, it, after this surgery, this, this self-surgery, if you will, is gone on, you can now see clearly where you couldn't see it in your judgments. With your motive being, I'm going to see how many things I can find wrong with others today. With your motive being, I'm going to be that guy <coughs> who's constantly looking for fault in others. And I'm going to see how long I can make the list. That guy, that motive is changed to being someone with a heart of compassion who cares for his brother, cares for those that he has brought into family with. You see, the difference is the heart of compassion that says, I want to help you. I don't want to just find fault with you. I want to help you. I want your best. That's changed as the log is removed and we see clearly and then we care about our brother and his eye, the speck. In verse 6, it says this, Do not give, and this is the other side, or, or how to keep this in perspective. <coughs> do not give the dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Even in the heart of compassion, there are some that you might care for and that you might say, I want to help you. I see you struggling. I see what's going on in your life. I desire to help you. I, I desire to do the holy work that God wants to do in your life. And I want to share that with you. For some, they don't want it. They don't want it. You say, I, I want to encourage them. I want to help them along. Some don't want it. And Jesus refers to this as be careful not to put what is holy, the work of the holy work of God, to not give it to dogs who will treat it like a dog would. And those who would take that which is sweet and valuable, those pearls, <coughs> that you would put them before pigs and they would trample under them and attack you for that. If you think about this, the uh, Jewish people, uh, most of the audience of the book of Matthew, the thing that would have repulsed them most was pigs. And if you've seen pigs, they're not real careful with how they treat things. And the picture of taking something of value of jewelry and that it be trampled because you took something of value and you handed it over to pigs. This is what many do with repentance in the gospel. The idea that they can have help from their sin problem and that they would reject it. The, the picture here, uh, I, I think, is this, that as we seek to help a lost and hurting world, as we extend a hand, we, we ask the question, what are you doing with the truth that you've received? 
Are you trampling it? Are you throwing it away? Are you treating it as common? The, the idea here is that see the response to continue on. To realize that some will treat it like dogs and pigs. That which is holy to the Lord. <clears throat> well, four things this, uh, this morning to kind of tie up our passage. The first one is this. Beware of taking God's job. Beware of taking God's job. As you look at this passage, I want to connect something with you. In the end of chapter 6, what were we talking about? Last couple of weeks, what were we talking about? Some of you are, some of you are worried that you can't remember. We're talking about worry. It's interesting to me that he had talked about worry. Whose job is it to worry about you? It's God's. He says, I'm going to take care of the birds. I'm going to take care of the flowers. I'm going to take care of you. That's the point. He says, don't take my job. I'm in charge of those things. It's interesting to me that in chapter 7, it's the same thing, right? Whose job is it to judge? Who knows us? Who knows exactly what's going on? It's, well, it's him. It's his job. And once again, it's the same result. Don't take my job. Don't take my place. I think that these are not the only two areas where we could do this. But I'm sure that every time we try to take the position of God, that sin happens. Every time. That when we try to do that which God has done, and that is His place, once we do that, we're in trouble. We will involve ourselves in sin. (laughs) Number two, number two, I want to say it this way. Eat first of the truth. Be the first. When you hear the truth of God, when you realize what's right and wrong, may it be for you first. Sometimes when we hear a message or we read a scripture, we go, ooh, so-and-so needs to hear this. They, they, you know, I, you know, I, I hear this message about judging. I wish so and so were here. You know what? By God's sovereign plan, they weren't here, and you were. Okay, think about it. Why did God have you here this morning? Connect the dots. Paint by numbers. It's all, you know, it's simple. You needed to hear this. Don't feel bad either. He had me study it. Okay? Eat first of the truth. And number three, I want to give you an intro to every conversation about sin. An intro, okay? Let me tell you about, you know, I, I need you to know that I struggle with a bunch of sins. You know, the very sin that I want to talk to you about, I've struggled with. I, I've committed and, you know, there's some, maybe I didn't do it that way, but there's some other sins that are even greater that I've done and I still struggle with. I'm still a mess. That should be your intro to every conversation about somebody else's sin. Don't, don't ever, don't ever say, I've seen some things wrong in your life and it's sin and you need to stop it. it, it it's confusing. It's confusing. You know why? 
Because it sets you up as the holy one without sin. It's not true. It's deceptive. It's it's purposely leading them uh, to a different place where the spotlight is on them when you are not just a fellow sinner with them. That's the reality. So the intro to every conversation, to the young and to the old, to the rich, to the poor. I'm a mess in so many ways. I struggle. I need Jesus today. And, and, and it's on the basis of my need that I can even talk to you as a fellow sinner. And then the, the last thing I want to tell you is to love truth and grace. To love tr- truth and grace. <coughs> truth and grace is uh, a theme of who Jesus was and is and continues to be for eternity. Truth and grace. And the picture is this. We fail on one side or the other. Most of the time we go, oh, you know, there's sin in my life. There's sin in your life. Offsetting penalties. Who cares? You know, it's just all about grace. God doesn't care about your sin. He doesn't care about my sin. That's not true. He does care. He's a holy God. And his son died. His son died to cover our sins. So to say it wasn't a big deal is wrong. It's not true. But to say that it's just the truth that we're a sinner and you're lost in that and you're hopeless is wrong too. It's truth and grace. It's really the truth of grace that we were a sinner, that we're condemned, that in reality we're far worse than we even want to talk about. But the grace of the gospel that Jesus died for sinners covers that. And, and as it goes for us in relationship to one another, it's real simple. We should love truth and grace. We should love it. We should have a heart of compassion for those around us that it should break our hearts when they're struggling in sin. It shouldn't be something, mm, glad I'm not like them. Glad I'm not a mess like they are. When we start thinking that way, delusion. We're out to lunch. We're self-deceived. But to see ourselves as ones who love the truth of God, the, the, the truth that we are sinners and that Jesus came for sinners, and the grace of the gospel that it covers us in our sin. This is the way, the different way of Jesus' kingdom. It's different. In, in our world today, we, we don't care about holiness or we just write people off. We X them out. This is the picture that Jesus wanted to say. He says, I got a different way for you. My kingdom is different. It's time to change over to my way. The way of the gospel. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for each one here. God, I pray that as you help us sort this out in the hours to come and in the week to come, God, I pray that you would do a work in our heart, that we would not cling to old ideas, um, that we would not see this as a message for someone else, but that we would embrace it and that you would work it out in us. Remove those logs, we pray. 
Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.